again, thank you so much for taking the time, you know, to chat and consider this a chat, a conversation. It's not, <laughs> not an interview. It's not okay, so no problem. Formal. So um well, so you're the first Jamaican American to be um appointed mayor, right? Of Highland Park, New Jersey, the first one. The first one, the first yeah. Jamaican, yeah, the first black. Yes. Yes. And you have made history then. I mean, I have. Yes. So how does that make you feel? I mean, <laughs> hmm. big shoes, <laughs> lots of responsibility, um, lot, lot of work ahead of me. Hmm. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. It, it, it feels good to have accomplished this feat. Um, not just to be the first African-American or the first Black person to, to fill these shoes, mm. but to know that um, you have a town that is supportive enough because it's only 7% African-American that live in my town. Ah. But then to know that you have the support of everyone else that has yeah. the confidence in you that you can do the job. So now, so tell me a little bit about your journey. I mean... Uh -uh. <laughs> when did you migrate to the United States? And, you know, and actually, what were your first impressions? <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> I know, I know. That's a good one, because um, migrating to the United States in the early 70s. Oh, okay. I came here as a teenager and went to high school and everything else. And my little cousin said it the best. When we came here, we, we moved to Newark and it was just after the race riots that was mm -hmm. happening here, yes. which we had no clue. Yes. No clue because when we're living in Jamaica, everybody's the same, no matter who you are, you're black, white, Chinese, Indian, yes. you're Jamaican. Jamaican. You don't know, you don't know we're Jamaican first. That's we don't right. see um, white, black, Asian, this, we don't see the labels. Yes. And then we're thrust into this community where when we're back home and these same people come to Jamaica, they, they treat us all the same. So we didn't mm -hmm. see the difference. Yes. And then you come here and then there's this great divide and you're like, what the heck is this? Yes. And then you're, you're thrown into where you're into this great divide. And then you you're the first time I knew I was black per se, not that I didn't know I was black, it was when it was visible, pointed out to me that you're black, he's white, this is, and then the great divide started happening. Yes. yes. My little niece said it the best. Mm. She said, where is the America I see on TV? I want to go to that America. Oh my God. Yes, that's profound. Truly. Yes, yes. And she was like six or seven years old, but she wanted to go to the America she saw on TV. Mm. And at that time, coming to the U.S., we all wanted, we all thought that's the America we was going into. Right. Not mm. the America that was the reality, the America that they always show around the world and say, this is how father knows best, my three sons, blah, yeah. blah, blah, <laughs> all those shows that told us about how wonderful and great America is, you know, the, the, the yes. hometown and, you know, the police were great and they tried to solve problems mm -hmm. and this, that, mm. and the other. So we were looking for that America yes. coming here. And then we came here and it was like, this is not America. Totally different. And that was a shocker. Yes, indeed. But I mean, obviously you've made it your home. 
home. You know? I have made it my, well, coming from Jamaica, when I came from Jamaica, there was a lot of turmoil back then. It was a time when the guns were coming in, the gangs were coming in, people yes. were coming into private neighborhoods and they were, you know, destroying and tearing and mm -hmm. crime and violence was rampant as, right. as you yes. may have known, I don't know what time and the political violence. And the yeah. political yeah. violence was yeah. the order of the day. And, you know, mm -hmm. people took sides and it created chaos and havoc in various communities. And one of them was my community that I lived in. We were scared to go to church or school or anything. Yeah. And you had curfews. You had to be home by a certain time of night. And, mm. you know, you heard of violence everywhere. So that's where I was leaving from. Okay. So when I came to the United States and I saw some of that, but moving forward, there was an election and Jimmy Carter was going to be elected president. Oh, yes. And I was petrified because I had just left this war-torn, for lack of a better term, mm. situation where political violence was rampant. You didn't feel yes. safe. Safety was not in one of those things in your preview. Mm. And here it is that you're coming back and you're just getting settled in and you're thinking everything is okay and it's going to be better. Yeah. And an election is called and there was going to be a presidential election. Mm. And then you couldn't tell me anything that we were not going to go back to the same thing. Exactly. Because that's, that's what you, that's the frame that I, that I came from. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So that I was petrified the entire time because the election was coming. I thought it was going to be chopped up with killings, this, that, the other, the gangs, the violence, mm -hmm. you know, everything that we had left behind. I thought mm -hmm. in my mind's eye, I was going to see the same as that during that time in the seventies for the election election came the the night my me and my sister we hid because we just we told our parents and they were like no it's not gonna happen so we went and found the attic and we hid in the attic the next morning i crawled out and i came downstairs and everybody in their bed sleeping there's no cars on you know barely a few cars on the street right. no fire no burning no nothing everything was gone yes so and i you know and, and i tell the story that as i sat in my parents living room and I looked out at the world and see that the world was calm and mm. there was no chaos and that election went and nobody got killed. Nobody yeah. got chopped up. People had dialogues and then they turned the TV on. And as you turn the TV on, you see Jimmy Carter with doing his acceptance speech and yeah. everybody was happy. And, you know, there was no gunshot, no this, no that. Mm. It, just, it, it was, it had a profound effect on me. When I went off to college, I joined the big brother, big sister movement. So you know, oh, I yes. mentor. I know. So I started mentoring there and it just continued on. And whenever I see injustice or inequity, yes. without even somebody saying it, I just knew it was wrong and I had to speak against it. Mm. So I've always been that that person. That kind of, yes. Thanks to your Caribbean-ness. Thanks to me. Yeah, yeah thank you. Very, very Caribbean because that's who we are. You know, we yes. we have to speak, we have to act, and we really believe in this whole village thing. The next thing that I did was um we were we were looking at women that were going back into the workforce mm. or wanting to go into the workforce that didn't have the appropriate clothes to wear. So we started a clothing drive for women going back into the workforce. Now you're also um, an entrepreneur. Yes. yes, you started your own business, and that is also a very Caribbean <laughs> um, sensibility as well. You know, to do for your on your own. Um, tell me about your your business. It's called All Aunt and Homestays, right? A, a, yes. a student, like a housing organization. It's a student housing organization. Um, yeah. 
number of years ago, um, and it, it started quite accidentally. Okay. <laughs> or maybe it was in God's divine plan. Uh, one of the two. Accidental <laughs> entrepreneur. I like that title. <laughs> um, we started um, with having students, I had a, a group of students from France that wanted us to come to stay in the United States for a couple of weeks and yeah. you know, to see the US live with American yes. families, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, unfortunately, the person that was organizing took the money and ran. Oh, Ow. So we had okay. 22 students at Newark airport with no place to go. Mm. And um, I got a call saying, and I'm like, can you help? They was like, I'm calling because I, can you help? And I was like, no, I can't help. I don't know these students. I don't know these students. What do you, you mean, can you help? And so as I'm talking to, um, to someone and I'm like, really, I, I really can't take this on because I, you know, I can take maybe one or two. Mm -hmm. It was like, but they, they've been in the airport now for eight hours. They're stuck. They can't get back on a flight uh -huh. to France. And, mm -hmm. you know, these kids, the parents are panicking. And I had a woman call me. She was speaking French and she was rapidly speaking a little bit, very little English, but mostly French. Yeah. And I had a friend of mine who spoke with French. And I called him up and I said, Reverend Johnson, I need your help. Mm -hmm. And he worked in Democratic Republic of Congo. So he was able to get on the phone and translate to what, incidentally, he was the first Jamaican missionary to Congo. Is that right? Yes, yes. Oh, He's no longer with us, but he did some phenomenal work over there. Yeah. And um, I reached out to him and he said, yes, you know, I can help you. And, you know, he translated what she was saying. And at the end of the story, there were 22 kids stranded at Newark Airport. No food. They're hungry. They need a home. And they wanted me was to help. So I went to my Rolodex because we had Rolodex at the time. Oh, yes. And I started calling people. <laughs> yeah, before the phone and this and that. Yeah. And I started calling folks and I was able to source um, homes for these young people to stay wow. and have people yes. to go pick them up and, you know, that kind of thing. And mm. I ended up with keeping um, six of them at my home. Because, of course, I had a teenage son, and my teenage son, of course, he's a teenager. He wants to yeah, be connected. Absolutely. So it, it worked out where we were able to house and house them locally and to mm -hmm. find things for them. Right. And um, then after they left and they, you know, got this glowing report, then people started calling me out of the blue from France going, ah, oh, we're sending our kids and we want our kids to stay with you. And can you help? Yes. And... It and I realized that there was an opportunity here. <laughs> yeah, blossomed absolutely. Yes, yes. And then from there, it morphed into a, a business opportunity, and I started the company. Mm. And then it, it started with France, then it went to Latin America, and oh. then it went to um, other parts of Europe. Then the the Chinese heard about it, and then I got a huge influx of Chinese and. African countries and Saudi Arabia and yeah. all those countries came together. So for 15 years, I was able to have a very successful business. I had about mm -hmm. 43 employees at the time yeah. and then COVID hit. Oh, well. <laughs> and COVID changed our lives. Dreaded COVID. So, so, so when did you get into local politics? We had a developer that was looking to develop 
a piece of parcel, a parcel of land. And he wanted to put like 42 townhomes, make it private development. At that time in 1994, he mm-hmm. wanted to start at $350,000 a year. I mean, sold these properties at $350,000. Well, that's a lot of money okay. back yes. then in the early 90s. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, but that's not only it he wanted was to put a fence mm. and make it a gated, a private gated community, but fence off other communities. I didn't think uh, that was fair. No, no. I thought that you were setting a precedence where you have the haves and the have not. Exactly and right. The community that he was fencing off was the lesser economically advantaged, mm. more disadvantaged community. Yes. And I was, no, the, the town was in uproar about it. They didn't want it, but they people weren't having the conversation they were having conversations and protesting but when they got to my door i felt that there was more that could be done yes yes so i said you guys just elected a new mayor what is your mayor's stance and they was like well uh we haven't talked to the mayor i said well you need to call the mayor and it was like well we haven't called the mayor so i said you just elected the mayor we just elected the mayor the mayor should have something to say mm, mm as naive as I was. So I picked up the phone, I called the mayor, I left a message, a week went by, the mayor didn't call me back. So knowing how Jamaica enough. Yes. I picked up the phone again and I was like, mayor, I called you a week ago, we had a concern. You're supposed to be representing us and it's over a week and you have not called back. Hello. Another day goes by. Still, no, no, I'm now it's in my cross. We'd say exactly. now I'm getting annoyed because I'm like this mayor's not calling me back. So I picked up the phone again and I made a third phone call. Hmm. The third phone call went in at about ten o'clock at night. I got a phone call and going, "This is the mayor." <laughs> it says, "I was in Israel." For the past two weeks, I got your message, but I wasn't here. It's not mm. that I was trying to ignore. And then I went on in my little rant about why this and why this and da 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 da. And she says to me, Who are you? And I said, I told her my name. And she goes, So where do you live? I said, That's not important. You need to know I'm a constituent and you need to address this issue. So when are you going to do blah, 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 blah? What's your stance on the issue? Yeah. And she was like, You know, you're the only person that has ever called and asked me this question directly. Wow. Okay. She said, yes, there's been a lot of chatter, but no one has called me to ask me what was my stand, what did I intend to do, and what was my plan around this issue? So I said, well, I'm answering you now then. You know, you know enough. I know. I saw it still. I saw it still. I saw it still. We're just direct. She said, um... No, she said, so where do you live? And I'm like, it's not important for you to know where I live. So she said, oh, you know, da, 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 da. So we talked for about an, I would say about an hour. Mm. And I said, okay, we'll talk some more in the morning. It's 11 o'clock. I got to go to bed, blah, 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 blah. 11.15, my doorbell ring. I'm like, who is ringing my doorbell at this ungodly hour of night? Yes. It was the mayor. <laughs> he said, I searched and I found out where you live and I had to come see you and talk to you in person because nobody has ever spoken to me so and, direct. Wow. I like, so I didn't know I was direct. I just thought I was just, you know, I was, we were having a conversation. Two mm, mm. o'clock in the morning, we're still sitting in my living room over coffee and we were still having discussion. Wow. 
So needless to say, I didn't go to I didn't go to work the next day because I was exhausted. Yeah. We had our conversation and you know, we said we would follow up and I kept on having more dialogues and everything mm -hmm. else. And then one day she met with me and she says, you know, we decided that we have a vacancy on the planning board. Mm. I'd like for you to take on that vacancy. And I was like, I know nothing about planning or anything like that. I'm not interested. She said, but you are the voice that we need on the planning board. Mm. Mm. Truly. She said, but you're interested in issues that affect our town. And the person that sits in the seat on the planning board will help to shape the next the, the direction of the town for the next 25 years. Mm. Say what goes in, what development happens, you are that voice. And you will help to shape the, the look and the feel of the town. And I thought about it somewhere and I was like, you're going to help to the issues that you're fighting for. This falls into that bucket. Yes, yes. And so um, I agreed to sit on the planning board. So I was the mayor's designated planning board. Mm. And then that started that. And I'm still doing my classroom stuff and all that kind of stuff. And then there was... Um, then I got a call from the Democratic Committee saying, hey, we want to talk to you. And I was like, hmm. me? And I was like, they was like, yeah, we just want to invite you to a meeting. Yes. And I was like, okay, I, you know, I'm game. I'll go to the meeting. So I went to the meeting and we had conversations and I listened. And then um, after that, then they said to me, um, you know, they invite me back a couple of times and they said, you know, we have a vacancy on and I was like, I know nothing about politics. I'm not interested in politics. I want no parts of it. And it was like, we think that you would be great. And I was like, yeah. uh, uh, I don't know. And so it took a little bit of convincing because as women, one of the things that we don't do, we always say, oh, it's not time. We got the kids. We have yeah. this, we have that. We find every excuse in the room. Mm. Meanwhile, a guy who is highly unqualified would say, yes, I can do of it. Course. And they stick their hand up and they're off to the races. And so reluctantly, I, I said yes. And then I came on uh, to fill the unexpired term for someone. Yes. And that was back in 2000. And I've been here ever since. Yes. That, that's <laughs> right? So you are naturally the vo a voice, you know, for the people. Because you are the one that was speaking up for those who had issues, right? I, so, yes. yeah, a natural fit for this position, right? So you went on onto different uh, commission seats as well, yeah? Mm -hmm. But so now as mayor, so you're, you'll be mayor until the end of the year. Correct. Um, what 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 are you, your constituents, what are their greatest concerns right now, today? Ooh. I'm sitting in the middle of the very, very hot seat. <laughs> Our town is, we have a small, we're a small town. Yes. 15,000 population. We have one supermarket in town. The supermarket is leaving. Mm. Okay. The owners are have gotten old. Their kids have yeah. no interest. And so they have decided to quit. They quit. Mm. With that said, we can't afford to become a food desert. So we need a supermarket immediately. Yes. One of the most important things that I have to work on now is getting a supermarket in town and that will be good for oil. Indeed. So, I'm I'm desperately pursuing a supermarket. So if anybody out there in your world here, yeah. anyone who's looking for a home for a supermarket, yes. I'm interested. Yes. So well, we're trying to find a supermarket yeah. to replace the supermarket we have in town. And the, the next one is that we are doing um 
and we're doing rent leveling. So we're doing a reval. So we're reevaluating our home stock in our town. Okay. One of the tricky things is that people do not go out and do home revals because it is very expensive. Okay. And we want you, you normally wait until the state says you have to do one. We haven't done one in 38 years. Ooh, okay. So we need to evaluate the, the, our housing stock. Yes. Yes. And it costs approximately a million dollars. And so until the state says you have to do it, we wait. Yes. But there's going to be some pros and some cons because some people's value is going to go up. And if your value goes up, you might have increase in taxes. Mm, some right. people value more down. Right. Yes. So yes. it's another hot button. So I, I like it hot. <laughs> so we need a supermarket. Yeah. We're doing our, our home revaluation. Mm. And we have three parcels that we're redeveloping at the same time. Oh, your plate is full, yes. very full. <laughs> yes. I mean, you're a mom, you're still involved in the school. I mean, and all of this as it well. It's a lot, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah, we have, we have a lot going on. Yeah, so, okay, one last question. We have about five minutes left. Um, how do you personally stay balanced? I mean, you're running the city. Mm. you're probably you know balancing yeah. the city's finances as well and all these issues that you have to deal with for your constituents and you're you're a mother how do you balance i you know <laughs> as you say the apple don't far too far from the tree mm. Mm. i have three things god first family community yes Yes. If you don't put God first, and I'm not a uh, 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 out there thump, a Bible thumper, you yes, know. I understand. Yes. That yes. where I get my center is having a healthy relationship with God. Mm. I do morning devotion, which I share on Facebook. Right. I keep God at the forefront. I ask Him for advice. Yes. Before I make decisions, because I want to make decisions that are not just good for me. Mm, but it's good for the entire town. And if it's good for the entire town and the community, it's going to be good for my county. It's going to be good for my state. It's going to be good for my country. Indeed. Yes. So if you have a balanced focus, that is, for me, that works. Yeah. I also do a yoga practice every morning. Oh, you're like me. <laughs> yes. And I go to the gym. I'm in the gym four or five times a week. <laughs> you're like me. <laughs> You got to stay healthy, mind, body, and soul. Truly, truly. Mind, yeah. body, and soul. So those are the things that when the wind is blowing and the, the people are screaming and the chaos is happening, you're hearing those voices. Mm. But most importantly, you need to have inner peace. True. And if you have that inner peace, then you can put things in boxes where they need to be and you can mm. deal with them appropriately. And you're not just lying, relying on what I know, you're consulting with others, but there's a higher power that you're, you're working with as well. And uh -huh. he's, 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 he's settling you within yes. yourself. Indeed. And I think that's what that's what works for me. Yeah, well said, well said, well said. And you, you sound like you live in the present all the time, yes. which is what you have to do. Yeah. You have to. Indeed. You know, to thy own self be true. You have to be true to yourself. And you have to make tough decisions. Mm -hmm. And you have to make unpopular decisions, but you must yes. do that. Yes. And yes. I do not like to political speak with people. I like to keep it because I think when 
you're honest and you're truthful with folks and you're saying what it is, they respect that more than you're trying to, to political speak around the issue. And that, you know, you just be direct. People live in a direct world. They make direct circumstances in their homes and they make choices. Mm. And if you treat them that in the same vein, most of the time everything will work out. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what? I lied. That wasn't the last question. (laughs) (laughs) At At the end of this year, will you run? Yes. Again. Okay. Yes, I Wonderful. Yes, I That's what I wanted to hear. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I have more work to do. You, you know, God's given me strength and grace and mm-hmm. I have more work to do. I think I, I have a lot to contribute and I have a lot of experience and skills to move it forward. Oh, wonderful. That is a perfect, perfect <laughs> note to end on. And you know what? I am, I am going to be following you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. I really do. So we need to stay connected. Yes, we do. You say you're on Facebook as well. I'm going to look for you. Yes, Yes, definitely. Well, I'll I'll look for you so we can like. Yes, indeed. Well, Mayor, underscore Mayor Foster, thank you so much again for your time. And, you know, I wish you all the best. And hey, just as you say, keep being yourself and keep being centered. Absolutely, to thy own self be true. Indeed. All right. Thank you. You take care. Have a lovely rest of the day. You too. God Uh, bless. Bless up. (laughs) Bless up. All All right. right. Bye bye. Bye.